Hello and welcome to College Football Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. You can find me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. And I'm joined, as always, by Xavier Trish at Xavier underscore Trish on the Twitters and the owner and proprietor of CFB Winning Edge, Nicholas Ian Allen. Nick, how's it going, man? How was week one? Excited to be here. Excited to finally have some uh, new data to work with. It, it had been a long offseason staring at the same numbers, just uh, you know, fluctuating ever so slightly based on a, a transfer here or there or an injury. But uh, now we actually have some games, and so we've seen some movement in our team strength ratings and, of course, uh, had some uh, good football to watch as well, some exciting finishes last week. Uh, happy to be back in the swing of things for sure. How are you guys? Ready to go. I mean, I'm ready for this week. Uh, we got it. Xavier, just just take give it give it a second. All right. We're going <laughs> to we're going to give you your victory lap. OK, yeah, he's ready to jump all over it. My God. Yeah. I mean, but, he, he's been driving a truck around Atlanta for the last yeah. two days. <laughs> Uh, that would be so funny if that was him. But I mean, I'm I'm pumped up for this week because this is this might be the biggest weekend of college football for my Longhorns this year. Now, if they lose this game, you know, all right, we're looking at another uh, hopefully uh, New Year's bowl game. But if they drop this one and the Oklahoma one, you know, it, it's looking like it's, uh, you know, a tire ball or one of those. We'll see moving forward, but uh, huge, huge week for my Longhorns. We will talk about that game, of course, but okay. Now, Xavier, please take your victory lap. <laughs> um, i just like to start off by saying uh, it was an amazing weekend for myself. Uh, one, I get this, got to spend it across the border in Canada, first time out of the country. And on top of that, it was a doubly great weekend because Georgia State beat Tennessee. Now, I know the final score said 38 to 30, but it wasn't that close. Let's just get out. Let's get it out of the way now. Georgia State handled them uh, particularly well. Um, we went in. So I'll give you a little bit of tidbits uh, pregame that I didn't know going into the game. So our head coach Sean Elliott played Rocky Top for two straight weeks for the uh, Georgia State players. Um, so much so that uh, some of my guys that were on the field that day said that when Rocky Top would come on, the Georgia State players were actually dancing to it. And from a couple of sound bites from the fans, they were actually worried about this. Uh, Tennessee fans that uh, in particular were very worried about that. The second one, I think the most telling is that Sean Elliott, before the game started, wrote on the whiteboard inside of the locker room that Tennessee wouldn't run for 100 yards. They ran for 93. So, you know, I think that Georgia State knew what they were getting into. And Tennessee, you got 11 games left. So uh, have fun with whatever is left for this season. You know, enjoy that. Please enjoy that. Uh, I don't know if there's anything more fun than making fun of Tennessee, but uh, I don't want I don't want to you know I don't want to chase listeners off or anything. Look, Tennessee, I think is going to beat the bejesus out of BYU this week. They're going to be mad. They're going to be angry as they should be, and it's going to be a really fun game to watch. And we're going to talk about that in a second too. But uh, Nick, did you see any of the memes? And which one was your favorite? If you had one. uh well i i nothing jumps out right away mainly the the uh the biggest impact i guess was the the uh that stuck with me was the guy driving around atlanta with the uh, big screen and highlights (laughs) of the game and all of that which uh, of course has made the rounds on twitter but uh 
<clears throat> the other thing that's really stuck with me, I, I'm not much of a uh, music guy, but uh, there's there's a, a catchy little tune that's been stuck in my head for days. I don't know if you guys have heard it. I think it's called uh, Summertime Lover. Mm. No, I don't think so. No, 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 it's it's yeah. it's this boy band, but they don't dance. They just kind of stand there. Oh, but uh, the the song is is super catchy. I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> it's been in my head all day. I I, I'm, I, I'm, I, I was looking for it on iTunes, couldn't find it. I hate it when I get a song stuck in my head. But did you did you not see the meme? This is my favorite one. It was. Uh, the Jesse Smollett, Smollett guy, whatever his name is, and it said, mm. "Why would you pay someone to come to your place and beat you?" <laughs> and I was just slapping my knee. That was the best file lot, the best meme I saw because, of course, Georgia State got paid by Tennessee to oh, come to Tennessee yes. and million, yeah. beat them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, you better bring me my money. Yeah, just just a great week, but. Uh, Looking back on the games from last week, Nick, how did we wind up with week one? Well, uh, week one uh, could have gone better. It uh, it could have gone worse, though. So of the 10 games that we talked about last week, uh, if we were grading those against the spread, we went four and six. And, of course, that included uh, the uh, quote-unquote bad beat uh, when Oregon lost its late lead against Auburn uh, with the uh, dramatic last second or last minute touchdown pass uh, from true pre- true freshman Bo Nix uh, got the win for the Tigers when uh, we would have probably preferred uh, that Auburn was a little more conservative in that spot and just set themselves up for a, a chip shot field goal. But that's okay. Uh, missed that one because uh, we did get a miracle finish of our own when Stanford uh, caused a sack and fumble for a touchdown in the final minute against Northwestern to uh, cover the spread uh, for us for that one. So we were four and six last week. Uh, overall, the numbers in, in all games featuring two FBS teams, uh, we went 22 and 23. So uh, right around 500 obviously could be better. But now that we've actually got some data to work with from this season, uh, putting in production points, putting in uh, team performance ratings, things like that, uh, I think uh, we're, we're in good position to uh, – make some uh, steady improvements over the the coming weeks. And that's, you know, that's what I emphasized last week as well. It's week one for everybody. So it's hard to tell. You just never know what coaching changes, what personnel changes, what little tweaks here and there are going to affect everyone. I mean, nobody had Georgia state over Tennessee. Like I, I, I would wait for that, that person to show up with their ticket. Right. I mean, come on. No one had that. They'd be, they'd have a hundred dollars would have won them if I'm not mistaken three grand. So maybe anybody... maybe the truck guy did. Maybe that's why he <laughs> could take some days off of work and go driving around with the Georgia State over Tennessee game uh, on his truck all week long. So uh, yeah, maybe but... I should have done it. It would have helped out my student loans. You know, that <laughs> would uh, yeah, I mean it's uh, it was week one for everyone. I mean I went on FNTSY. And the show was a complete disaster for me. Like, I was clipping all the time. I was uh, stumbling. It's week one for everybody. That's just the way it goes. And to, <laughs> to be close to 500 is really good. I would say my my FNTSY performance, probably a three out of a 10. So, you know, it's just the way it goes. But um, let's get into week two here. Are you, got, you guys have anything else from week one? I mean, uh, we did have some big injuries. Do you want to talk about that first, Nick, before we go to week two? 
Yeah, well, uh, one of the probably bigger games of the week, and we're not really going to focus on it. Uh, and part of that is because we don't really know what the quarterback situation is going to be at Stanford. Uh, we touched on that game just a second ago, but of course, KJ Costello, I'm sure everybody has seen the highlights, uh, pretty egregious hit while he was sliding uh, right before halftime, got uh, a forearm to the face mask and uh, pretty bad looking situation uh he's in the concussion protocol and at this point is questionable to play this week against usc uh the trojans of course had their own quarterback issue uh unfortunately jt daniels went down with a uh, torn acl and he's going to be uh out for the year so uh as we do uh, daily, we have updated our depth charts and our, our uh, FBS team profile. So uh, we have uh, some updated projections based on who we think uh, will start for Stanford. We just went ahead and, and uh, counted both uh, Stanford quarterback as, as the starter there. Uh, but of course, have made some adjustments that uh, Daniels is out. So uh, our patrons will be able to uh, see what those numbers are, but still kind of want to wait and see how things shake out over the, the rest of the week. Uh, so we, we did choose to skip that one, but should be a pretty big Pac-12 matchup. And, and of course, uh, it's unfortunate that those injuries hit. But yeah, a lot of, a lot of players have, have gone down. Uh, seems like a lot of, uh, typed in a lot of, uh, questionable uh, into the uh, <laughs> yeah. injury reports this week. So want to want to see how things shake out a, a lot of places. But yeah, some unfortunate injuries, specifically those two quarterbacks, but then plenty of other teams were impacted as well. And I saw the uh, some of the lines and the over-unders were uh, fairly either low or I, I saw the over-unders didn't come out until like, earlier today and usually they pop up on monday for most games you know uh sunday or monday to to show you but there were so many like you said little injuries here and there that a bunch of those lines didn't show up or at least the over-unders didn't and by the way uh keaton slovis pride of desert mountain so ah, uh coached right. up coached up by kurt warner so um that's uh nice. that that would be right in my hood you know right right in scottsdale so um I, I didn't get to see him or anything, uh, but uh, it should be fun to watch him play. But like you mentioned, lots of injuries. Anything else besides the huge Georgia State victory for week one uh, for you to cover oh. there, Xavier? The only thing I would say takeaways is probably early hot seats. Um, Willie Taggart, definitely on there. And Jeremy Pruitt would be my early hot seat guys. Um, obviously, both of them coming off of what was unexpected losses by both fan bases. And they already came into the season with a little skepticism around them. So those will be two guys I would look to watch out for the rest of the year as far as skepticism is concerned and might be out of there before Christmas. So, you know, especially for uh, – and Gus Malzahn would have been on that list if they had a loss to Oregon in the fashion that it was going in the first half. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. And, and Will Muschamp, and I, I failed to mention oh. this as well, yes. they lost – uh, of course, Ooh. lost a late lead and then lost Jake Bentley to a uh, looks like maybe six weeks or so. I've heard I've seen everything from six weeks to the full year, but lost their starting quarterback. So the Halinski uh, era starting early in Columbia. And yeah, Will Muschamp uh, joining Taggart, I'd say, and Pruitt uh, with uh, some some questions at this point. Yeah, yeah it. Uh, that that that's a job. Uh, up, and I was just so happy to see Mac win, too. Uh, I mean, mm -hmm. maybe the worst coaching decision of the week to call that timeout <laughs> instead of punt the ball away. 
but like like we mentioned, it's week one for everybody, right? So uh, he hadn't coached since I think it was 2013. Uh, it's been a little while for Mac, so uh, exactly. th- he would have not lived that down, to be honest with you, if uh, South Carolina would have somehow pulled that out uh, after that weird timeout, but uh, it right. didn't work for them. Uh, but let's get into week two here, guys, and uh, there's tons of games to, to go over this week. We have narrowed it down. I believe we have 10 here, but the first one we're going to talk about is uh, Missouri at West Virginia. Now, you want to talk about disappointments of, of week one. Missouri lost to Wyoming. Now, look, they had to go on the road. They had to play at elevation, and that is a whole thing. I mean, I don't know how much of the Florida State versus Boise State game you guys got to see, but there were hands on hips for Florida State. They were, you want to talk about hot seats, Willie Taggart, definitely on the hot seat already at Florida State. But going and playing at elevation, I remember watching a a Wyoming versus NIU game, right? And... NIU was clearly the better team, but the only guy that was surviving was Kenny Galladay. Uh, Kenny Galladay was the only guy built for this elevation or in good enough shape to play. He kept NIU in it. They wound up winning on a Josh Allen dive in the end zone. Those games are fun to watch, especially when they get into overtime, but Wyoming beats Missouri, and while West Virginia won, they barely beat, who would they play? Was it James, James Madison? James Madison. James Madison. They mm-hmm. barely beat James Madison, so and they looked terrible in doing it. I know Kennedy McCoy had 11 rushes for 11 yards. I think they had something like 30 total rush yards in that game. It was not good, and they are playing each other. The line on this one is Missouri by 14. The over-under is 62.5, so Nick, tell me about Missouri versus West Virginia. Well, I, I'm glad you brought up the point about uh, the altitude. And of course, Wyoming plays at over 7,000 feet, which is highest uh, for for somebody here on the on the East Coast. That's that's uh, pretty crazy uh, for me to think about. And and I it seems like every week I I just sort of throw in like, oh, when I used to live in wherever. Well, for this week, it's when I used to live in Montana. Uh, moved out there, <laughs> and and the second day that I got out there, having never been uh, at elevation like that before, um, I got just so sick, just al- altitude sickness. I, I was not used to it, had not been uh, exposed to it, uh, at least in, in several years. And so uh, it's pretty pretty rare for a team uh, from the uh, either the, the Midwest or the East or, or wherever to go out to Wyoming. You know, a lot of the Mountain West teams it plays are, are pretty used to playing in elevation, not 7,000 feet, but maybe, you know, three, four, five, things like that. So I bet that definitely did play a factor and, and was probably an underrated aspect of that game leading up to it. Um, our numbers uh, were somewhat... Uh, surprisingly low on Missouri coming into the season. Uh, I was a little bit worried about that because there was a lot of talk about uh, like, oh, this Mizzou team, the schedule sets up so nicely. They might be 8-0 by the time they go to uh, Georgia later in the year. Um, So I was a little bit worried because actually two of our uh, power ratings projections actually picked Wyoming to win. uh, And I did not... uh, I, I did not publicize that because I, <laughs> I didn't want to just sound 
ridiculous, but now I'm I'm kind of wishing you know maybe I had, Don't had mess uh, with it. spoken up. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, yeah, so so um, we were on the the right side of that because we projected uh, Wyoming to uh, cover, but but definitely didn't see this coming. I mean, there there were some uh, flashes of some good things that Missouri did. Um, some of the advanced numbers I've seen actually uh, show that the the way things shook out. The Tigers probably should have expected to win that game uh, between 68 and 80 percent of the time, depending on which uh, post-game uh, stats you're looking at. So uh, they they played decently well. Kelly Bryant did some good things, um, but uh, yeah, it, it just seemed like they dug themselves a hole early and and just couldn't get out. And and Wyoming just sort of looked like the better team. So uh, that makes me a little nervous again, from Missouri. Um, West Virginia, though, didn't look much better, as you mentioned. So uh, they put the ball in the air a lot more than I expected. Austin Kendall uh, threw 42 times, I think it was, against James Madison, and and they needed pretty much all of them uh, to escape with a win. And and while the Dukes are, uh, I think, ranked number two behind North Dakota State in the FCS rankings, they're still are an FCS opponent. So um, neither of these teams is super confident at the moment. So uh, somebody needs to, to come out and, and make a statement here. Um, we do have Missouri projected to win, uh, according to our uh, team strength ratings uh, and final score predictions. Uh, we have the Tigers getting a 34-31 victory uh, but, uh, again, expected to be close and, and expect the Mountaineers to cover that two touchdown spread. Yeah. So this looks like, you know, if it's three point prediction, uh, fairly easy pick of West Virginia against the spread, uh, they're going to get 14 points here, Xavier. What do you think about this West Virginia versus Missouri game? I honestly have no idea I, what, what, I, what I'm what you I'm making this game, but okay. And, and, the, and the reason why I picked this game is because I had no idea. Uh, <laughs> when I look at this game, I look at two teams who obviously have come off the back of woeful or uninspired performances. Um, when I look at West Virginia, I look at a team who has a brand new head coach and might be going through some jitter, going through some uh, brand new program. You know, he's focusing on whether or not you know he's going to have to get his kids to buy in. It's going to take some time, and I understand that. When I look at Missouri, I just look at a team that doesn't know how to play defense um, and has shown their inability to play defense, even when their quarterback has statistically a good day, as Kelly Bryant did. When I look at our final score prediction, it it makes me very worried if I'm a Missouri fan. Um, Because when you look at West Virginia, they only were able to put up 20 points versus James Madison. If they're you know, poised to score 31 as our final score prediction has against Missouri. That just tells you how bad of a defense Missouri has um, and how, you know, our numbers suggest that Missouri can't stop anybody. Um, Because I think that this game is going to be a complete shootout. And I picked Missouri for that very reason. I just think Missouri will put up more points than West Virginia. I trust Kelly Bryant more so than I trust West Virginia's quarterback, Austin Kendall. I just think that, you know, his... At the end of the day, he's played more. He has he obviously put up better numbers last week, and he's in a, a better quarterback, at least you know from the eye test so far. So for me, um, that's why I have Missouri winning this game. To pick West Virginia against the spread is probably the best thing to do, as Scott was saying. Uh, this game is just a lot of question marks for me, though. This is why I picked it. I think a lot of more people have question marks than just myself. So, yeah. 
I think we're going to find out a lot in this game. You know, is West Virginia just in a rebuilding year with their new coach and uh, obviously changing? They they want to run the ball more, but it was just so unbelievably unsuccessful in right. week one. So, uh, But you talked about how bad Missouri's defense is. So I think we're going to learn a lot in this game. Personally, uh, I don't know if I would bet this game uh, because of – the terribleness that we saw from both these teams <laughs> last week. And kind of like you said, Xavier, I don't know what to think. I think this is this might be a game where you make your mind up on what these teams are. Was Missouri just playing at elevation, right? Is this 14-point spread from Vegas really a thing? Like, okay, they played at elevation, and it was their first game with Kelly Bryant, and blah, 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 like all of that. Uh, like, you, you can say that. Or was this what we're going to come to expect from Missouri for the rest of the year? I think we're going to learn a lot. Uh, the game that I picked here, Wyoming at Texas State, we just saw Wyoming beat an SEC team. And while we're talking about how Missouri may not be great, they're still an SEC talent team. And they played Wyoming. Wyoming had the advantage at home. They are on the road against Texas State. But we also mentioned like the one huge victory that Rutgers had last season was against Texas State. And right. Texas State is just not a very good team when you look at their roster strength and just from what they put together the last couple of years. And Wyoming is only a seven-point favorite, and it's a fairly low over-under as well at 47.5 points, Nick. So I just kind of wanted to know what you thought of this game because to me it feels like that line should be double digits in Wyoming's favor. Yeah, I mean, it definitely... After what we saw last week, you would expect Wyoming uh, to be more heavily favored for sure, because uh, Wyoming obviously, uh, as you mentioned, beat an SEC team. Texas State was blown out by an SEC team. Now, the you know not everyone is created equal uh, in the SEC, and and uh, Missouri and Texas A and M, uh, there's about a forty. Uh, spot gap between the two <laughs> in our rankings. So um, I think that has something to do with it. I, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get a little more confident in uh, our preseason Missouri, Missouri projection. Think that perhaps uh, some of the, the uh, uh, greater college football world might've been overestimating uh, their potential, but um, uh, Wyoming is, is not, particularly talented. I mean, Craig Bowl has done a very good job making the Cowboys uh, a consistent winner, a consistent threat to get to a bowl game. Um, but, you know, they, they rely heavily on uh, a ground game. Uh, they play good defense. They, they try to be um, uh, fundamentally sound, you know, and, and just in some ways kind of lull people to sleep. Uh, and that, that might have uh, been part of why this um, point spread is is the way it is. Uh, they expect that uh, the Cowboys will, um, you know, s sort of stick to that plan no matter uh, whether or not they do have a talent advantage in this game. Uh, so you're they saying, will be. Can, just real quick, can I ask you? Sure. Are you saying because the the game script is ground and pound, whether or not the talent is there? way over a team for a team like Missouri, the spread's always going to be fairly low because of the propensity to run the ball and not air it out. Well, I think I think that's part of it. I, th I think the style has a lot to do with, um, you know, the style of, of uh, play that certain teams uh, 
subscribe to does have a lot to do with with these uh, point spreads for sure. And and Wyoming is just not the the type of team that's going to blow out uh, a lot of its opponents. Um, and then we also kind of have the the reverse uh, travel situation here. Wyoming's traveling uh, a long way, going down to San Marcos. Texas, where it should be much hotter, much more humid. Um, I could be mistaken, but I think San Marcos might even be, uh, if not at sea level, potentially even below. I, I, I could be wrong about that. Um, but so you're in a, a different situation completely um, as far as the weather and the travel go. So that's a factor as well. Uh, and Texas State, I mean, they're they're not great, obviously, but they are um, experienced. Uh, they, especially on defense, uh, have some some quality players. Um, their linebacking core, actually, in the preseason, we ranked as a top 25 unit and the best in the Sun Belt. Um, and, you know, they, they made a couple of plays against Texas A&M. They forced two turnovers in the red zone uh, that really kind of helped keep the score closer than maybe it uh, could have been or should have been. So there's there's some reason to to believe Texas State can can hang here. Um, they do uh, they they haven't quite settled on a quarterback yet. They played two last week. Neither looked particularly good, but again they were playing Texas A and M. So uh, still a lot of unknowns probably on on both sides here, um, and it's sort of an unfamiliar situation uh, for Wyoming, kind of you know making this trip uh, to to you know, an, an unknown opponent and, and probably wants to just escape with a win. So uh, it's interesting. Our numbers actually project this as uh, a Wyoming 28-20 victory, which is right around that uh, point spread. So it, it, it's not a game that would, uh, you know, stick out to me as a better. I would probably stay away from this one uh, just because of the, you know, kind of all the outside factors. And there's potential maybe for a hangover effect as well um, with Wyoming coming off the big win. So I would stay away from this one, but uh, the spread itself, though, it, it seems like it should be bigger, seems about right to me. And, and our numbers kind of agree. Uh, only see it as an eight point difference. Do you have any interest in this game at all, Xavier? <laughs> well, I will give you credit, Scott. You definitely know how to pick games that nobody's looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but if I was... Uh especially off of the Rutgers UMass, you know, game that you decided last week to pick. But Hey, that you know. looked pretty interesting early, didn't it? it? Did. Uh, come yeah, on. Rutgers did what a Big Ten team should do. Uh, <laughs> they did. Well, when I look at this game, I think our spread, I would say that I think that the spread is a little off, in my opinion. I think Wyoming may go down there and obliterate Texas State. Um, now, this I might be eating my words next week. Who knows? But... Wyoming was up by 17 going into the beginning of the fourth quarter against Missouri. Now, I know the final score says 37-31, and that might lead people to think that they just weren't able to close as well. Um, But it was against an SEC opponent. Wyoming, if they're able to not have the hangover that Nick is suggesting, they're going to take this game very seriously. Um, They play Idaho the week after, so I don't think that they'll be looking too far ahead uh, like some teams might when uh, when they go down to Texas State and take them not as serious. Um, I think that they're going to go down there and, and, and whoop, te- whoop on Texas State, if I'm perfectly honest with you guys. I think Wyoming Wyoming is going to take this momentum into Texas State and continue that going forward. And that's why I picked this game, because it looked just the, the spread looked off to me. But, you know, this is why I'm not a professional better. You know, it's because and that's <laughs> kind of why I wanted to point that out, because I think if 
your, you know, everyday normal guys looking at this and they go, well, Wyoming just beat Missouri. Of course, they're going to trounce Texas State. But I think all the points that Nick made are, you know, thoughtful. You know, you're you're going to a team that was really bad last year. They already looked a little bit better against a tough opponent in Texas A&M, even though they're splitting their time at their quarterback the the numbers say that this should be closer. So maybe it is closer, but on the surface, it looks like one of those games. Now, on the opposite end of that, Nebraska is going to be favored going into Colorado by four points. The over-under on this one is 65, and I, I got to tell you guys, I was so unbelievably disappointed in what Nebraska put up against South Alabama. The spread on that game was, what, Nick, 36 points, something along that, that those lines. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And um, it was just a giant line that they had. They looked flat. They looked terrible. It took three scores on defense and special teams for them to end up beating South Alabama. And Colorado looked like Colorado. You know, they should beat Colorado State every single year, and they did. <laughs> um, Montez, the senior quarterback there, um, they look solid, but Nebraska looks so bad. It's kind of, it makes, this game is weary. I'm not sure which one of you guys picked this one. This game is weary to me going in. I don't know that I would want to bet on it because the line looks nice with all the preseason hype about Nebraska of them only favored by four, but the way they played last week was terrible, Nick. So what are we thinking on this Nebraska and Colorado game? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely an intriguing matchup. I mean, uh, college football fans of a certain age remember this is a, a big time, Big Eight and Big Twelve conference rivalry game. Not of course, yet. neither. He said a certain age <laughs> of a certain well. age. Yes, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, it's it's last year provided a, a very enjoyable game. Uh, kind of get the renewal of uh, this rivalry, at least for the short two-year period. Uh, not sure that there's any more scheduled between these two, but um, it was a, it was a great game last year. We saw uh, Adrian Martinez, uh, you know, kind of made some national noise. We saw LaVisca Chenault make some national noise. And now those two are, uh, you know, are, are names that every college football fan knows or should know. Um, so definitely some, some, exciting players in this one uh and the fact that nebraska did stumble coming out of the gates maybe adds a little more intrigue to this i believe when this line was posted on sunday it was uh nebraska favored by seven and that of course has has come down so uh, i'm not very sophisticated when it comes to this sort of information but um that indicates to me that people are probably uh, expecting Colorado to uh, do well and, and, and project them to, to cover, if not win. I've seen some uh, projection systems, actually, I believe uh, Bill Connolly's SP Plus has Colorado favored by two and a half points, something along those lines. So um, a lot of indicators uh, suggest that the Buffs have a, a great shot in this game. And, and of course, they did look like the better team last week. Um, I'm, I'm cautious to, uh, kind of like with, with what we're talking about with Missouri and Wyoming, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit cautious not to draw too much from one week. Um, Colorado did look good. Colorado does have 
some key players, Chenault, uh, Alex Fontenot looked great uh, in his first start as running back. Um, Steven Montez, I've, I've liked for a while. He's a good senior quarterback, experienced. Um, he definitely has an opportunity to have a great year. Nebraska, uh, though our numbers don't love the Cornhuskers, had them in that sort of 38 to 42 range most of the preseason and, and eight or ninth in the Big Ten. Uh, I do personally think Adrian Martinez is one of the most exciting players in college football. Now, he didn't have a great game last week, but I think he's capable of, of coming back and performing uh, really at maybe a, a Heisman Trophy level. Um, and, and I am a big believer in Scott Frost as an offensive play caller. So I think the Cornhuskers are going to bounce back. Um, but our numbers, you know, we've, they factored in the, the week one team performance ratings. Nebraska was uh, buoyed a bit by its defense uh, defensive touchdowns and special teams touchdowns, as you mentioned, Scott. So they graded out at an 82.7, which is roughly average. Um so maybe a little better than we might have expected, given the way they let South Alabama hang around. Uh, Colorado uh, got a grade of, of over 90. So um, that, of course, was was good. But, you know, Colorado State, they won, what, three games last year or something yeah. like that? So uh, not not a uh, you know, it's not the New York Giants that they beat. So um uh, I, I could see this game going a lot of different ways. I, I personally don't have a very strong uh, opinion of it. Um, uh, it's intriguing that the number has dropped as much as it has already. Uh, but when we look at our final score prediction, uh, the Cornhuskers are favored to win, but only uh, by a, by two points. We've got it at 37-35. Nebraska should be another exciting game. Uh, and if the Buffs cover, then, then uh, hey, that, that's good news for us. What do you think of this game, Xavier? This is uh, one of the more interesting ones of the week to me. Well, I definitely picked this game for more of my uh, fantasy guys out there because uh, <laughs> when you look at when you look at obviously people took Chenault and AJ Martinez probably pretty high in most fantasy drafts, and both of them had very down weeks. If you're a fantasy owner, uh, Chenault only had I believe it was a touchdown and 48 yards on three receptions, and AJ Martinez, as um, Nick alluded to, did not have the best week either. Uh, going 13 for 22, 178, and an interception. So at least for fantasy owners, you're definitely looking for a bounce back week. When I look at the, uh, when I look at both teams, I see a Colorado team that is that bought in in the second half, um, which is why I have the upset in this game. I think Colorado will go, will beat Nebraska. One, Nebraska's on the road, but also I trust Colorado more so than I trust Nebraska. Um, when I look at Colorado, yes, they gave up. Uh, a substantial amount of points in the first half to Colorado State, giving up 21 in the first half. But as you can see, they only gave up 10 in the second. I believe at that point, they bought in to Mel Tucker. Um, that's also another reason why I picked this game. Mel Tucker, former uh, former defensive coordinator at Georgia. You know, a little tie in there. But um, <laughs> when, when when I look at this game, I think Colorado has – I just trust them more so in this. Um, I trust their offense. I trust their quarterback play. Um, we all saw Steven Montez look pretty well last week. And Adrian Martinez looked – very suspect against a South Alabama team that's not picked to do all that well this year um, in the Sunbelt Conference. I don't know what to make of Nebraska. I've heard the same adages from the, from Scott Frost that I heard last year. Slow starts, um, too many mistakes, letting teams hang around. I feel like I've been hearing this for him for a while now. Um, and that's not going to be good when you're going on the road and playing a team in Colorado who I think a lot of people have as dark horses to win the Pac-12 um, when you look at the game, really? 
I, I, I won't go on. Dark horses. Very, 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 very dark horses. Um, That's a, a black hole horse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when you, when you look at both games just purely from the eye test, Nebraska struggled against the pass. Um, there were several times that South Alabama was in Nebraska territory, and if it wasn't for a couple of turnovers, who knows how that game goes. And I think I'm looking for a big game from Chenault as the Nebraska secondary wasn't great last week. And Adrian Martinez, you have to salvage your Heisman contendership, which is not a word. Um, you have to salvage that this week. If you have another bad game against Colorado, you can remove his name from that whiteboard of Heisman contenders, in my personal opinion. Um, Colorado is who I've had winning this game. I don't think it's going to be uh, a two-point win as our numbers have it uh, for Nebraska. I think Colorado might win by seven-plus. I, I think... I think the bottom line on this game is as much fun as it's going to be to watch because, you know, like Xavier said, tons of uh, talent in this game offensively should be high scoring and all of that. The The final score kind of is evading most people. You've had mm -hmm. you have opinions going one way or the other on both these teams. So this is a bet at your own risk game. And uh, I, I'm absolutely with that, I don't want to mess with this one. Now, a game I do want to mess with is uh, <laughs> Tennessee at BYU. And Tennessee is favored at, by three and a half points. The over-under on this one is 52 points. I think Tennessee is going to be pissed. I think they are going to be ready to play. Uh, BYU should be upset, too, because they got trounced in the Holy War against Utah State, or Utah, excuse me, last week. So this game... It should be a, a fun one to watch because, I mean, look, if Tennessee loses to BYU, Pruitt can just, he can take the bus home. You know, <laughs> he, he ain't getting on the plane. I can tell you that much. So, Nick, what are we looking at in this Tennessee and BYU game? Well, uh, our numbers, I mean, simply like Tennessee. Uh, of course, they like Tennessee by a lot. Last week, uh, we didn't have the, the Vols projected to cover, but we did expect a, a fairly easy win. Uh, and, of course, as we've discussed, that that didn't happen. Uh, I personally have, have been a fan of the way Jeremy Pruitt coaches defense. Uh, I uh, am a little bit surprised that they came out as flat as they did. I thought a long off season, you know, another recruiting class in there would have uh, perhaps given this team more of a spark. Would have would have started with a little more fire, and and obviously that didn't happen. Maybe now is the time, you know. Maybe maybe now they finally do respond. Maybe use that uh, embarrassing loss as a jumping off point. BYU is a team that our numbers just haven't liked very much. Uh, they recruit like a uh, mid level group of five team um so we we actually you know when when looking at them uh in the preseason and going game by game our projections uh have byu missing a bowl game uh they play a brutal schedule and and they don't have uh elite talent they do have some nice pieces uh zach wilson the quarterback has has some huge upside he, he has played well he's drawn some favorable comparisons to some exciting players 
from the past. Um, they've uh, brought in a highly talented transfer, Tyson Williams, who seems to have taken the, the top uh, running back spot and, and run with it. Uh, and, you know, so, so there's some things to like. They're always uh, pretty nasty on the defensive uh, front. They they did allow uh, over 100 yards to Zach Moss last week, but, you know, who doesn't? Uh, and also huh. Moss carried it 28 times or something like that. So um, there, there certainly are some points in, in BYU's favor, but Tennessee, just from a, a player-per-player player basis, from a pure talent standpoint, uh, is, is just the better team. And I have to think that Pruitt and his coaching staff uh, and, and it's a solid coaching staff all the way through, um, should get this team ready to play. And, and obviously they proved last week uh, that they're capable of, of not getting the team ready to play. So uh, hard to, to feel confident um, just from a, you know what my eyes told me last week. Uh, that Tennessee is is going to have an easy time with this, but uh, you know, pretty pretty confident in in what our numbers say, and and they say that the Vols are far and away the more talented team, and and so uh, we do project Tennessee to win twenty seven seventeen. Should be a, a defensive game for the most part, uh, but uh, you know, see see Tennessee coming away uh, with a victory. So I, I'm with you, Scott. I, I think that the Vols. Uh, I, I almost say get right. I don't know that they fully get right, but uh, they should win this game. What do you think, Xavier? I completely disagree. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. They had an entire summer to get ready for Georgia State. And in the third, fourth quarter, they were still running on defensive ends late and, and playing 10 men on defense. This team and this coaching staff, I don't think it's going to have them ready to play. I think the players might be angry. I think you're absolutely right there that they may come into this game pissed off and, you know, really wanting to make up for last year, for last night, last year, but last, uh, last week, and but last year that too, but <laughs> doesn't that sound like everything that should have happened last year? And I also feel like that means they're going to force a lot of things. I wouldn't be surprised if Jim Chaney, after getting all the slanderous comments that he got this past week and you know, it's only Wednesday that, um, <laughs> He'll come out and try to play a different type of game. I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if the defense looks to add pressure on a team that runs a similar offense to Georgia State. I think that that was something very telling in what I was watching film on BYU this past weekend is that BYU and Georgia State run a similar offense, which means Tennessee should be prepared. But it also means, in my mind, that BYU knows what's going to be effective against this Tennessee defense. And... The Tennessee run game, which is Jim Chaney's calling card, was not very successful last week. They only ran for 93 yards, as I said earlier. And that's what really killed BYU. Um, so I don't think if Tennessee can get their running game going, that they won't have much success against the BYU defense, who didn't look terrible in passing downs at all times. Um, but I've got BYU winning this game by a field goal. And I think that Jeremy Pruitt will be packing his bags shortly after this game. I, I don't <laughs> maybe not firing, but he's going to have bags packed by the door, you know, just in case when he's ready for that. He's going to have his go bag. Um, right. right exactly. <laughs> you know, ready to head back to Florida State as a uh, defensive coordinator. But in my opinion, Tennessee just doesn't I have no trust in that coaching staff at the current moment to have them prepared for BYU. If anything, I see them overlooking BYU and looking towards, you know, the rest of their season and, and maybe just wanting to get rid of this game. 
and uh, just getting it over with. While BYU, just like Georgia State did, came into this game thinking, okay, this could be a huge booster for our program. I think BYU is going to play more pissed off than Tennessee and walk away with a W from Neyland. And, uh, yeah, the fire continues in Tennessee. I mean, I would be so happy if that <laughs> I mean, like I said, there's nothing uh, – you know, Texas and Tennessee have always had the you know the real UT thing. So uh, is that I, a question? I heard that over the weekend. Like really, <laughs> really. Yeah. I mean, we may have lost to Maryland, but it wasn't Georgia State. So you know, uh, <laughs> they had their entire program's history. Okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it's uh, Tennessee's a good program, and I'd like to see them get back on their feet. But uh, it is fun to watch them, uh, you know, suffer a little bit. I just like how people enjoyed watching Texas uh, not play well for a long time. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, people like that. So we don't need to relive that now. So we got a big game this weekend. But uh, moving on to another good game. I can't wait to watch this game for fantasy purposes. Uh, Purdue at Vanderbilt. Purdue's favored by seven points. Coming a lot off a loss at Nevada, kind of surprising. Uh, over under is fifty eight here, Nick. And this was the game that most people picked, right? This was the uh, the Twitter poll. That's right, and uh, it was a, a late upset. Miami and North Carolina had an early lead. Uh, was starting to uh, dive into uh, last week's Tar Heel victory, but. Uh, uh, yeah, checked it again today when the, the time ran out and, and Purdue and Vanderbilt had, had come ahead of uh, in our poll. So, uh, yeah, talk about this game a little bit. It, it's it's um, uh, Purdue is is a tricky team to project because last year they proved they could beat just about anybody. I mean, they, they uh, you know. Uh, beat Ohio State, a team that's one of the top two or three most talented teams in the country year in and year out uh, with ease. And then, of course, they also lost to Eastern Michigan. Uh, well, last week they lost to Nevada. And that, of course, was a, a very uh, tricky setup. Had to go to Reno, which people uh, might not realize is uh, at a pretty high altitude. Um, and uh, you know, laid an egg, put a put a, a pretty big early lead, but then uh, squandered it away late. Uh, they uh, ended up minus five in turnover margin, which was the worst performance of the week uh, at the FBS level. And uh, those turnovers contributed uh, immediately to points at the end of the game that that uh, Nevada was able to uh, score to tie it and then and kick a long field goal for the win. So Purdue really shot itself in the foot last week, and, and you have to expect that they will uh, put in a lot of work at, at, in practice to correct a lot of those mistakes. Uh, you know, you're not going to bench Rondell Moore, uh, who uh, had, a, had a couple of those uh, fumbles, including a big one on a, a, a muff punt. But, um, yeah, I, I expect that uh, Purdue will come out um, – ready to play this week. I, I think the offense showed some flashes, liked some of the things uh, that Elijah Sindelar did at quarterback. Of course, Rondell Moore is just a, a human highlight reel. Um, they've got some more talent uh, there to join him in the receiving core. So the Boilermakers can score and uh, they've got some good pieces on defense as well. I mean, Marcus Bailey is one of the better linebackers in the big 10. So um, 
overall, uh, you know, th- this Purdue team should uh, beat Vanderbilt. And, and you know, Vandy uh, didn't look great last week. Of course, they were playing uh, Georgia, a national championship contender, but uh, they were really kind of suffocated on offense. And, and we didn't expect that with uh, really the offensive firepower that they've got in Keyshawn Vaughn at running back and then at receiver, uh, Kalijah Lipscomb. And, of course, the tight end, Jared Pinckney, is one of the better uh, tight ends in the country. So a um, little surprised that they didn't put up more of a fight, but Georgia was obviously just uh, the better team last week and, and really kind of put Vanderbilt uh, to sleep, as, as we uh, mentioned earlier, how Wyoming can sometimes do. But um, expect both of these teams to, to really come out with something to prove. think it should be uh, a tight game, a, a hopefully uh, well-played game, uh, better on the Purdue side. Um the line movement is is interesting. When this one posted, it was at uh, Purdue favored by nine, which probably surprised a lot of people, of course, as uh, they're coming off a loss to a Mountain West team and, and not one of the Mountain West uh, contenders, according to most folks. So uh, a little bit of a surprise there, but uh, obviously some value. Some people saw some value in Vanderbilt, thought that they would keep this close, and our numbers uh, would Agree. We project Purdue to win, but uh, only by a score of 30 to 28. Uh, expect the Commodores to uh, have trouble containing the Purdue passing game, but but should show a little bit more of it themselves. Uh, Xavier, I mean, this game, I, I love the over-under because I feel like it's going to go over, but it's 58 points. Our score projection is 30 to 28. That is at 58 points, so... Uh, I guess it's more dicey than I I think it is. Well, what do you think about this game? Honestly, with this game, what I see most is two teams that, like Nick said, have a lot to prove. And I think Vegas, I think the seven point, making Purdue a seven point favorite, maybe just because they didn't see much of anything from Vanderbilt. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't want to kind of crap on Vanderbilt. Um, You know, they get enough of that from other SEC fans, but in that game, they just didn't really show much. The only takeaway I did have is that Vanderbilt was a very physical team. Um, in a couple of fourth and one or third and one situations, they were able to stop Georgia, which was um, impressive to a to an extent. And I think that that shows that the defensive quality is there, maybe not consistently, uh, but when it's asked to, to to make plays, they can do it. Uh, you know, Nick alluded to all the offensive talent that they weren't able to use on Saturday. And I, and I look forward to seeing that on more of a full display against a Purdue defense that obviously, you know, couldn't really stop Nevada at any point throughout the game. Uh, for Purdue, I think it's going to be an explosive day. Um, once again, for fantasy owners of Rondell Moore, you know, rejoice. I think he's going to bounce back from last week, um, last week's turnovers at least. And I think against a, a Vanderbilt secondary that looked rather lost at times. And let's be honest, Georgia really didn't even go that deep into their playbook. Uh, I think Rondell Moore will have a big day. As far as who's going to win this ball game, I think I'm going to go with Purdue. I'll go with the final score prediction as well. I think that's the first time this episode I've gone with that team. Um, <laughs> but I, I think I, I think safely I can go with Purdue on this. I just don't think Vanderbilt uh, Vanderbilt's quarterback situation give me any trust in that in that situation. I don't know what to think of this game because Purdue plays up and down. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and and it's it's terrible to watch because it's exactly what my Steelers do in the NFL. They play up to New England. They play down to Cincinnati. It's just the thing that they do. I hate I hate watching those games sometimes because, you know, 
they make the the ones where they should definitely lose close and they make the ones where they should definitely win the cl- close. And that's kind of what Purdue does. And I just don't know. I feel like these teams are equal. So I don't know what Purdue team we're going to see. Uh, I think I would take Purdue. I think the firepower for them is better than what uh, Vanderbilt has. But Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt's firepower is really good, too. So it's tough for me. To, you know what? I'm going to flip. I'm going to go to Vanderbilt because <laughs> they're I'm, I'm going to I'm going to take the home team in this one. I'm going to take Vandy. Purdue uh, choked away at the last second last week. And um, one of their team leaders, like Nick said, in uh, Rondell Moore was the guy to do it. Um, I, I think I got to go with the home team here. So I'm going to flip. I'm going to go to Vanderbilt. But I'm staying away from this game as far as laying my hard-earned money down. Uh, <laughs> I think this game is... I will definitely bet because I get to bet against Texas A&M. And I love that. It's Clemson on the road at Texas A&M. Clemson is a 17-point favorite in this game. They're giving a bunch of points, but they look great against Georgia Tech. And the over-under here is 64.5. Seems a little high, but A&M we know can score, Nick. Kellen Mond and Ja'Shawn Corbin looked really good in his first start. Uh, they have some good wide receivers in Davis and uh, Osmond, too. So uh, what do you think about this game? Well, uh, first of all, if, if you're placing your hard-earned money on this game, uh, our our uh, blood, sweat, and tears that went into to our uh, projections uh, would disagree with you. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, just, just real quick, uh, Purdue actually is uh, hosting Vanderbilt this week. So does that change anything for you? Yeah, yeah. I thought we had home team on the right here. Uh, Purdue is hosting. Yeah, I think I'm going to go Purdue. I think I'm going to take the home team out of these two. Wow, flip-flops. Well, look, you know. Uh, home, home field advantage is that's big. worth three yeah, points, yeah, isn't it? Exactly. In our numbers, and and we're we're heavier on home field advantage than just about everybody, and part of that has to do with uh, sort of the the uh, the way we do our numbers. But we put three point eight points in, uh, which you know most people do between two and a half and three. So uh, I understand if people are concerned if we do too much, but uh, we do take it uh, pretty seriously, and and so that that is why. Uh, we have Purdue favored to win on a, on a neutral field. We would expect Vanderbilt to win by uh, about a point. See, um, yeah, <laughs> the numbers flip flop too. So I have no problem flip flopping at all. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the home team. I'll take Purdue on that one. I, that's my mistake. I apologize. Uh, I just oh, no flat no out got just... it wrong. But yeah, I'm flip flopping. I home field advantage is big in those games where the the teams seem to be evenly matched. Uh, but Clemson. Uh, and that that one is at uh, that one is in College Station, isn't it? No, that no, one's also in. That's in, in Death uh, Valley. Yeah. Ho, 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 ho. Yeah. Give me Clemson by a lot. <laughs> yeah. Give me Clemson by a lot in that game. And by the way, I mean I'm a Texas fan. I can't root for A and M. You know, I just can't do it. So I don't. I think I might own one Aggie throughout six fantasy teams. And uh, in in most cases, I ain't gonna do it. I can't root for the Aggies. I can't put my money on them and then cheer for them. It's just not something I can do. So I'm going to give the points and take Clemson in this game. But but Texas A&M is a, you know, they're ranked 12. They're not a bad team. So someone else talk about this game because I clearly have a, a biased opinion. 
that big eight bias is coming through. <laughs> uh, well, the the so uh, Texas A&M is, is 12th in the AP poll. We're actually even more bullish on the Aggies. We have them eighth in the country uh, from a team strength uh, standpoint. And uh, Texas A&M, you know, we've seen some really, really great things from Kellen Mond. Uh, he's up to a 97 Point two in our VGR Plus ratings, uh, and uh, it, it won't be long before he's uh, matching Trevor Lawrence there with a 100. So I uh, did really like what I saw from him other than uh, the costly interception against Texas State. He threw some really, really pretty passes, uh, looked in command of the offense, was was quite impressed with Kellen Mond uh, now in his second year under Jimbo Fisher. And he's got one of the deepest receiving cores to work with. I mean, I know Clemson is, is absolutely loaded at receiver as well. Uh, Clemson's loaded everywhere, of course. But um, but Texas A&M can, can you know, give them a run for their money in, in a couple of spots. Uh, I, I know that uh, Jashaw Corbin... Uh, ran for 100 yards. I say a spiller also ran for 100 yards last last week for A&M, but uh, I'm not convinced that uh, either will have very much running room against Clemson. I, th- I think the Tigers will do a good job uh, of uh, keeping the Aggies uh, shorthanded when it comes to, uh, you know, the, the, they won't be able to be as balanced, I, I expect, this week. Uh, I think they'll rely on Mond a lot, and they need did pretty well against Clemson last year. Kind of had a uh, coming out party uh, against the Tigers, but I uh, think it'll be fairly close. Think Clemson is the better team. They've got a talent edge at, at pretty much every position. Uh, Texas A&M is starting a true freshman uh, at right guard. You know, not the not the uh, most pivotal position, but uh, for him to to enter one of the the best atmospheres in all of college football. It's a, a little bit of a concern. And Clemson, even though they are reloading up front, still is is uh, player for player about as talented as it gets uh, on the defensive side of the football as well. So uh, expect the Tigers to win, but Texas A&M should uh, keep it somewhat close. We have the final score at uh, 31-17. All right. What do you think, Xavier? Clemson uh, hosting the Aggies. I would not put any money on this if I were you, Scott. You know, I want you to keep your hard-earned money. I wouldn't put any money. Mu- I'm not any allowed money to on. bet in my oppressive state anyway. Like my <laughs> my state is terrible for that. We have the Native American casinos, and that's it. That's the only place where you can gamble. So it's uh, and it's because of lobbying from uh, the Native American casinos. There's no sports books in Arizona, so I can't bet on it anyway. Even if I'm trying to do it on the internet, I have to do the whole VPN bit. And that just gets uh, tiresome. So, that's fair. you know, because I think this game is going to be very close. I don't know if it'll be as close as it was last year. You know, it was 28 26. And a lot of people feel like Texas A&M, given a little bit more time, may have been able to pull it all the way out. But I think what Nick's saying with them leaning on Kellen Mond is not going to be a negative this year. I think last year he threw for 430 yards and had three touchdowns against, you know, that Clemson secondary. And that's with. Clemson now having to rebuild up front, I think he's going to have even more time in the pocket. Um, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say Texas A&M is going to win this game. I think Clemson just overall is too talented. And what people probably forget about last year's game is Kelly Bryant started and Trevor Lawrence came in and uh, I believe it was the second half um, and really, you know, jump started that Clemson offense. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have, I won't say it's not going to be a coming out party, obviously, but I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to continue what he did last year uh, when he went, 
five for nine, 93 yards and a touchdown um, all in the second half. I think that um, when you look at the talent on Clemson, you just can't get away from it. I, you know, if this was in College Station, I would be willing to put Texas A&M's, you know, name down as the victor. But um, Clemson just has way too much talent. And Texas A&M going down there to Death Valley, I can't pick against Clemson. I just can't. But I don't think it's going to be, you know, a 17, you know, what is it on their line? I think it's so 17. you would take the points. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, but I wouldn't put but Clemson by 17 and a half for what, what, what most people have. I wouldn't go that far. I think it's going to be more of a, you know, five, seven point game um, as far as Clemson in the victory column. All right. Well, I know where the next game is uh, <laughs> because the, the next game is LSU at Texas. Uh, this is the game of the week because this is two top 10 teams, six versus nine. Uh, here and you know I'm obviously the Longhorns haven't played in a game this high stakes in a while I mean obviously the Big 12 championship was fairly large last year but uh, it you know they they wound up losing to the Sooners but uh, this game both teams come in with high expectations this season Uh, LSU looked pretty good last week Texas looked pretty good last week uh, the, the line right now, I believe it opened up, um, at LSU by four and a half, but it's, it's bumped up to LSU by six and a half. The over under is 55 and a half. Uh, what are we thinking on my Longhorns against the Tigers, Nick? I'll try to not talk too much because you know, where I'm <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I don't blame you for, for being excited about this game. And, and, uh, first of all, it's, it's interesting. I, uh, I like to see where our numbers kind of compare to some of the other uh, college football analytics outlets. You know, I, I like to see how we stack up and, and I have a lot of respect for, for a lot of people that are that are putting in uh, the time and effort to, to build models. And, and we take a, a little bit of a different approach than most people doing it from the, the player uh, base. Um, so I, I do like to see, you know, what what does SP Plus say? What does what does ESPN's uh, FPI say? What are the folks at uh, Number Fire Team Rankings and and what have you? All all of them out there. Um, we are uh, kind of out on an island here, <laughs> um, uh, and and part of it is home field advantage. Again, we give three point eight points. That's more than anybody I know of. But but we kind of have uh, good reason for doing that. Got got a good uh, suggestion on on why we chose that particular number. Um, but uh, <laughs> we project Texas to win, and we're Whoa. the only ones. Uh, SP Plus has LSU as a 13.8 point favorite. Uh, FPI has it as about 10. So both of those expect the the Tigers to go on the road and win uh, pretty easily. Uh, some of the others I've looked at, it, it's closer in the seven to three point range. But as far as from what I've seen, and I haven't done an exhaustive search, but uh, from what I've seen from from some of the uh, number crunchers that I uh, really respect, uh, we're the only ones that expect the Longhorns uh, to come away with the win. And and I'm a little bit surprised. I mean, Texas, of course, is inexperienced, particularly on defense. They've had uh, injuries just just 
everywhere at the running back position. Um, they've got a true freshman quarterback who's now second on the depth chart at running back. So uh, that that is a problem. We are aware of that, and that is factored in to this number. Um, so it, it's it's a little bit of a concern. I, I probably sound like a broken record. I'm always nervous about you know what our numbers look <laughs> like, especially when they disagree with with uh, some of the the great folks out there that uh, I respect. But uh, yeah, just sort of the the way we decide things. We've we've got Texas as a slight favorite to win. We expect uh, the the final score to be uh, 24-21, so low scoring. Uh, this does not, believe it or not, really impact uh, or factor in. Uh, Tom Herman's record as an underdog against the spread, which is is kind of ridiculous. You know, we we're we're not big into uh, uh, what do you got trends. You know that we don't really factor that stuff in very much. I mean, we do factor in his overall record and his performance against teams uh, with a, a talent advantage. Um, but you know, we're not relying on oh, you know, bet Tom Herman here. That, right. That's not really it. We think that position for position, these are two evenly matched teams. LSU might have a slight edge. Um, they've got the best secondary in the country. They've got a loaded uh, linebacking core. The defensive line is about as good as it gets. I mean, the, the, on that side of the ball, they're they're killing it. On offense, they put up 55 points last week. Joe Burrow had a, a, an excellent game, absolutely excellent. They're deep at running back. They got talent all over the receiving core. Uh, but Texas isn't that much different. I mean, they, they, you know, Sam Ellinger uh, is a 100 rated player. Um, they've got talent at receiver. I know Callen Johnson got banged up a little bit in the last game, but we saw some good things from Devin Duvernay and, and, uh, it saw some, some, uh, things to like, of course, uh, in the secondary Caden Stearns is a hundred rated player. Um, so I was surprised when this number, uh, you know, when the when the ticker came ticker tape came across my desk, I, w- I was a little bit surprised. But and I uh, have nothing to do with it. Just so everybody knows, <laughs> that's true. We don't let Scott anywhere near <laughs> the uh, projection model. But uh, but yeah, you know the the Longhorns, at least how our numbers see it, and and it is a little bit different than most. Um, but uh, we we do think that Texas can get it done. And now here's the storm cloud. Xavier, uh, <laughs> what what do you think about Texas hosting LSU this week? I got you guys winning. I don't, I don't know oh! where the storm cloud was coming from. You know, all Look the Delusco Texas fans, you can get off my back because I got you guys. This week. <laughs> um, <laughs> when I look at Texas, I just first and foremost, I think the winner, the quarterback who wins this game and who plays the best is going to end up on a lot of Heisman uh, top fives after this week. Um, I think whether it's Burrow or Ellinger, I think both of them, one of them is going to have to have a great game for their respective teams to win. And I know Nick said we don't get into trends. However, there is one trend that I do, I did like to, I did look up um, in prepara- preparation for all of this. And it was LSU's record since against top 25 teams since the uh, playoff era or during the playoff era. And they're six and 12. Um, you know, and Orgeron's been the head coach since 2016. So you give about a year different, you know, still he has a losing record against top 25 programs on the road at Texas. I think that gives an added boost to already the fact that I'd never trust LSU in big games. I don't know if this is just, you know, me growing up, you know, as an SEC fan, but I've never trusted LSU when they had to play a big team on the road, um, at home, you know, in their version of death Valley, they, and in Baton Rouge, they play above and beyond, but sometimes, but when they go on the road, they often struggle. 
Um, and I don't think that's going to change on Saturday. I don't care what Joe Burrow did against Georgia Southern. It's Georgia Southern. Um, and, you know, Sam Ellinger, same thing against Louisiana Tech. I don't really care what they did in that game. More so what I'm looking for is who who performed the best against, you know, comparable talent last time I saw them. Sam Ellinger had probably his best game all season against Georgia last year. And Joe Burrow wasn't all that great, if I'm being quite honest. And I think that going into this game, Texas just dawns on me about being the better team. Um, and this has no bias against LSU. I just wanted to go ahead and put that out there. You know, I, I, you know, I'm not bitter about you guys beating us last year. I just think Texas overall is the better program um, in this game, and is going to come out with victors. You know, and uh, the Sam Ellinger train can keep going down the tracks for you, Scott. So uh, yeah, go ahead. It's your floor. Go I ahead well, and say whatever you want to. Well, for me, th- this game is going to come down to, in my opinion, uh, the Texas O line versus the LSU D line, and it's you know. First of all, Ellinger is going to need more than one Mississippi to get that ball out, and because the secondary for LSU was always good, mm-hmm. and uh, you know if the the running game if they can open up the running game a little bit against LSU as well, that's going to control the clock and wear down that defense for the fourth quarter in what should be a tight game. I think if this game goes sideways, it goes sideways in LSU's favor. Uh, I think that means that Texas isn't getting much of a push up front uh, either way, and LSU's running the ball down their throat, and they're stopping the run. So, uh, But I think that this game should be fairly tight, and in a tight game, I like Texas. You know, uh, they, They've done it before. They had a tight game against uh, Oklahoma last year, and Dicker came through with that kick, so I'm confident in him nailing a kick, especially at home. Uh, the crowd is going to be insane. I heard it's like... 250 to 300 bucks a ticket there right now uh it's uh gonna be a great atmosphere in austin and i look for the longhorns to win this one so look we have a couple uh spare moments here so i want to ask you guys about one more game that was eating me up can, can we get one more game in here nick sure sure all right yeah, i want to know georgia tech is favored by six and a half points over south florida now georgia tech Obviously, you know, they played the best game they could against Clemson last week. Uh, but they're also in, you know, they're, they're a team that's turning over a roster here. They're switching to uh, a different type of an offense. South Florida got pounded by Wisconsin last week, which was to be expected. Wisconsin is Wisconsin. Um, and if you're not, you know, if, if you're not on the same level of them, you're not even close. And that's if you are, you could probably beat Wisconsin. But South Florida is just not on the same level. But this game is a Georgia Tech favorite by six and a half points. And the over is 61 and a half. When I look at a game like this, I feel like both these teams are going to want to run the ball. I think that both of these lines are off. I feel like South Florida can hang with Georgia Tech a little bit. And I feel like. Uh, South Florida could end up beating Georgia Tech. Obviously, having to go on the road is bad news for them. But what do we think about this game, Nick? Well, I, I'm I'm glad you brought this up, and this was in our our poll. Uh, didn't get a, a lot of votes, but this this matchup was one of the more intriguing ones to me this week. And if we had expanded our list, I probably would have picked it. Um, uh, South Florida is uh, a team. It, it's also in that category of: Is this team going to make us look smart, or are they going to make us look stupid? Um, or, or me, I guess it's it's my numbers. I shouldn't <laughs> I shouldn't lump you guys. I always say we, but I, you know, you, I look you guys stupid are no matter what, Nick. So you're absolved. 
responsibility in this one. Uh, we had last week, and we didn't talk about it on the show, but uh, our patrons probably saw it uh, and, and might be uh, a little perturbed maybe because we were pretty high on USF all year. Our team uh, strength ratings were very, very close between the two. And of course, uh, the Bulls had the home field advantage. So we saw this game uh, against Wisconsin. That game is almost a virtual coin flip. We had the Badgers favored by about half a point. Uh, And part of that is because USF, uh, they've done a lot, you know, brought in a lot of transfers over the year. And and we talked about it uh, last week with SMU that that does kind of uh, muddy the waters a little bit in our numbers because we don't put in any sort of penalty for transfers, at least at this point, something to consider. Um, But uh, we get we gave USF a talent advantage last week. Uh, didn't think that they would win. Didn't project the Bulls to pull the upset, but did have it as a close game. Obviously, the eye test uh, proves that something was wrong. Uh, USF looked uh, just just looked bad. I mean, Wisconsin looked good, but USF looked bad. Georgia Tech still sort of hard to to tell. I mean, you know, we've only seen one game. With the new offense, uh, we've we've only seen uh, one game with uh, a pretty experienced defense, but a defense that uh, the triple option last year kind of uh, helped mask some of its uh, deficiencies, and and the fact that the uh, the new uh, offensive system isn't going to try to uh, you know keep the ball as long as possible might expose uh, the Yellow Jackets even more. Uh, USF. Um, does have uh, definitely some some uh, areas where they can uh, feel that they should have success running the ball. Jordan Conkright is uh, pretty highly rated according to our numbers and has done some good things in the past, and uh, they do have some depth at that position. But uh, new offensive coordinator Kerwin Bell, who came up from Division II Valdosta State, where he was the national championship head coach there uh, just last year, has been implementing uh, – you know, a pretty pass happy offense. I mean, they'll, they'll run as well, but I would expect that uh, Blake Barnett, the quarterback should be able to put up some pretty good uh, passing numbers this year. And they've got some talent at the wide out position as well. Uh, Randall St. Felix, a fun name to say, and of course a, a good player as well. Um, so our numbers uh, have not totally jumped off the USF train just yet we actually have the bulls as about a five-point favorite and uh you know obviously we were wrong last week thought they could hang with wisconsin uh is there uh a potential that maybe they use that as a wake-up call or is this a situation where maybe like we saw with louisville last season a team that was more talented than it showed but ended up uh you know losing confidence and, and eventually just sort of quit uh there, there's the potential for that to happen this year at USF. Hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully they respond well. Uh, and then, you know, on the other hand, hopefully Georgia Tech uh, shows that it has made some improvement as well. Uh, they did some good things last last week. Uh, Trevor Lawrence didn't look uh, perfect uh, in the pocket. They were able to pick him off a couple of times. And, and so they definitely did flash some potential and think that 
Jeff Collins was a good long-term hire. Our numbers see this as a pretty big edge. So uh, if you want to trust us uh, and and think that USF is is actually uh, should be the favorite team, they do have a pretty big talent advantage uh, according to our roster strength numbers. Uh, but USF had a talent advantage last week according to those same numbers. So uh, do with that information what you will. Um, I do believe that USF is the better team. I think Georgia Tech is on the right path, but I didn't necessarily see much against Clemson to make me think that this is going to be a team that's uh, capable of overachieving what our projections were. And we only had the Jackets favored in uh, one game and expect to win three or four. So uh, I think USF will win the game. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful for, uh, for, uh, our numbers sake that, uh, USF has a better performance. Um, but, uh, if I were to put a, a final score prediction on it, uh, I believe that, uh, it'll be USF 31, Georgia tech 27, something in that range. What do you think of this game, Xavier? This is an interesting one. I, I'm glad I brought it up because it seemed like Nick had a lot to say about it. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, what do you think about this? I'm thinking one? about this one, I kind of hoped it would win the poll, but you know. <laughs> I mean, so when, listeners, when... we want to we want to value uh, your opinion as yeah, well. Have to, have to. Although I did vote in the poll, so I didn't vote for this one. Either. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, when you look at Georgia Tech, honestly, if they were running their offense from last year, I think I'd have Georgia Tech winning this ballgame. And I know that might hurt some Georgia Tech fans, to be honest with you, now that they're going away from the uh, triple option. But as you can see from last week, USF couldn't stop Jonathan Taylor if they dreamed about it. It was very, very hard for the USF defense to stop anything uh, called a running game last week. On the Georgia Tech side, same thing for them. They couldn't stop the running game. As Nick alluded to, they did a pretty good job on Trevor Lawrence. Probably had one of his worst games of his collegiate career so far. Uh, but they couldn't stop St. Antion at all. Um, and, you know, they had their own woes on offense. Um, and I think that that's the most telling thing for me and why I have USF winning this game is that USF is just more of maybe a, a ready team and more of a complete team. I know getting blown out by Wisconsin doesn't look like it, but Charlie Strong is going to have these guys ready to go. And um, they're not trying to get acclimated to a brand new offense and a brand new system as they are at Georgia Tech. I think Blake Barnett bounces back. And um, I'm still waiting for him to show me the five-star that he was coming out of high school, but maybe he'll show it to me this week. Um, and for Georgia Tech, it's going to be a long road. Um, when you change an offense this drastically, it's going to take a while. And um, I think, Nick, you're being very nice by saying Georgia Tech will hang in there and only lose by four because we've seen USF put you know, 30, 40, 50 points up in games. And I think that depending on how this – this game goes, I can see USF easily putting up 40-plus um, like Clemson did on Georgia Tech. Now, I'm not saying Georgia Tech's going to be held to the number that they were last week, but I see more of a score in the range of 41-27, 41-24 um, USF way. Uh, I really hope that I'm correct in this, and USF doesn't make us wrong for the second straight week. <laughs> well, and, and, and just one last point. I mean, USF, uh, again, just, just in case any listeners out there think we didn't watch last week we saw it i saw it it was it was bad <laughs> yeah believe me and and our our numbers did capture it i mean our team performance rating usf uh put up a 64.25 which is bad i mean this is on a, a 60 to 100 scale so that's obviously a failing grade second lowest of the week only new mexico state which lost 58 to 7 to washington state uh had a, a poorer 
uh, rating as far as our team performance numbers go. Now, those those you know, it's just one game, and and we shouldn't overreact to it. However, uh, our eyes, you know, don't don't always deceive us, and and USF looked very bad, and and Charlie Strong, maybe we uh, should have mentioned him at the at the top of the show as maybe nah. one of those uh, coaches that that you know, his seat's getting ah, a little warmer. Yes. So, I mean, they were, they were bad last week. <laughs> Scott but, was ready to cut uh, his head off. <laughs> not a Charlie Strong fan. So, you know, uh, just but, the way But, goes. yeah, you know, our, our numbers, they, they like the Bulls again this week. You know, maybe maybe this time next week we'll be ready to uh, throw them out the window. I don't know. But, <laughs> but uh, right now we see a pretty big edge in the Bulls' favor. I think maybe – Maybe people out there are uh, putting a little too much stock in in just one game. So yeah. hopefully that's the case. I know things have been trending in the wrong direction for USF recently. Um, the end of last season was not good, so it, it wasn't a total shock that they fell flat. But so far, we're not quite off the uh, USF bandwagon just yet. All right. Well, that is going to wrap it up for us here at CFB Winning Edge. Nick, tell everybody about the Patreon. If you want to support this podcast, uh, please go to patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge. Uh, we, of course, want to thank our wonderful subscribers. We've hit uh, the 30 subscriber mark, which for us is a pretty good milestone. We're about halfway to our uh, season-long goal, um, which uh, is, is great news. Uh, we, we really uh, appreciate the support. Um, hopefully, we're, we're giving you some great content as well. Uh, with week one, you know, now in the books, uh, trying to, to catch our breath, catch up a little bit, make sure all those depth charts and team ratings and, and uh, everything is updated for you. Uh, we will have a, a few more updates later this week. And, and if any injuries or news uh, pops up, uh, death chart related, we will make some adjustments and, and let our patrons know that as well. All of our uh, final score predictions that we talked about tonight, plus all of the other FBS versus FBS games will be available um, Friday morning to our patrons. If uh, you join us at tier one, just five bucks a month, you would get access to those and uh, join us at the upper tiers for uh, all of our more expanded uh, content ratings and rankings and all of that as well. All right, that is going to wrap it up for us. Remember, you can find us on the Twitter at Bogman Sports, at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E, and at CFP Winning Edge. And we will see you guys next week. Good luck in week two, everybody.